Welcome to Let's Get Information. My name is Alexa Silvaggio, and this, my friends, is a podcast for seekers, entrepreneurs, spirit junkies, and wellness lovers of all kinds. Each week, we'll be offering you inspiration, education, and co-creation that will help you cultivate an epic life. So let's dig deep, lift up, and thrive through these personal stories, tips, how-tos, and most importantly, great, rich truth. What is up, Naomi Psycho? <laughs> I'm so excited to be here. Yay! Thank you for coming on Let's Get Information. And I said um, Naomi Seifter, and then I was like, wait, shit, she's married now. Naomi Ward. I know. I'm the worst wife, honestly. I've been, I haven't changed my name officially yet, but it's going to give to my husband at some point. I still have yet to meet this chap, so maybe once I meet him, it'll be like very official. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're going to love him. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Okay. So my beautiful information seekers, um, Naomi and I actually went to Syracuse University together and that's how we met. Um, but Naomi has created a full on freaking badass, gorgeous goddess empire. Um, Naomi, tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now. What are you cooking up these days, figuratively and literally? Sure. So um, I, yeah, I own an awesome restaurant concept in Austin, Texas called Picnic. And we started as kind of a paleo inspired cafe, but over the course of the last few years, it's evolved to be more of like just a place for real food enthusiasts. So, um, you know, we cater to people from all walks of life, um, but we have consciousness in our menu around like people who might be vegan or plant-based or paleo or ketogenic or sugar-free or like whatever it is, we have options available. Um, so that's really been my passion project uh, for the last couple years. We opened in 2013 out of a little reclaimed shipping container food truck. And um, since then, it's evolved into uh, three locations in Austin, and we're expanding to a couple of new sites around the country in 2018, which I'm super pumped about. Um, And then we also uh, launched a line of ready-to-drink beverages in like the grocery space this year also. Um, So just a lot of projects in the works on the picnic side and what I'm cooking right now, personally, um, you know, my favorite thing to make at home is, uh, really healing chicken soup. So I've been living on that since it's been a little cold and awesome the last couple of weeks. Oh my God. Excuse you for what, like literally I've already known. So I've already known what you've been up to for the last few years, obviously, because I love you and follow you and like, you're a dear friend of mine, but just hearing you say all the shit that you are doing, it is like mind boggling. And I, my hat is seriously off. I was like laughing as you were saying it. (laughs) Thank you so much. Oh my God, girl. Well, literally I created this podcast because I want to interview people who are out there basically creating epic shit in the world. Yes. In whatever aspect that is. So you are definitely the definition of that. And I'm I'm so proud that you're a dear friend of mine because that's oh. really phenomenal. Oh, that's so sweet. I'm just seriously honored to be here and to share share my story. And it's really fun, I think, as adults that like we've had a chance to stay in touch and reconnect and like 
you know, I feel the same way having a chance to watch your journey and watch what you're creating. It's just like, it's really amazing to have a person like you in my circle, you know? Yes. Well, you've really seen, you've really seen my journey and I've certainly seen yours. So we have quite a lovely history there. Amen. (laughs) For real, for real, for real. Um, Naomi was like my number one sister in, in college, you guys. And, uh, we, where did, what was it? Alto Cinco. We used to go to Alto Cinco as often as we could. It was this, it was like probably the only kind of like health conscious organic restaurant in Syracuse. And it was like, really, it was actually pretty dang good. Like looking back at it. Um, I still have cravings for it, to be honest. It's so great. Yes. Oh my God, girl. I was super into it. And like just having, having time, truth time with you. Cause I think we were both on kind of a spiritual path, like since the beginning. Yes. Actually were a huge influence on me as far as connecting to yoga. So I'd love to hear a little bit about your yoga journey. Um, I feel like that was a big catapult in you, like becoming more conscious and aware, which led to more food stuff, you know, I feel like. Oh my God, a hundred percent. So I, you know, I've got a kind of an interesting background. It's not anything the same as what I'm doing now, but you know, when we were in college together, um, I just went through like some rough times. I was really unsure of what I wanted to do with my life. Um, at the time I was pursuing musical theater and I loved performing, but to be honest, I never wanted to live in New York city. And I felt like that was kind of a barrier to like to entry for me. You know, I didn't see a reality for me being a performer if I couldn't live in New York and like pursue Broadway and do all those things. So about, you know, halfway through college, I started to have like a quarter life crisis. I'm like, what am I doing with my life? What am I going to be pursuing? And a friend of mine actually who worked at Alto Cinco, funny enough, like that's interesting synergy. He told me like, you should go to this yoga ashram that's in Quebec. Um, you know, if you don't listen to anything else that I ever tell you to do, like, listen to this. This is really important. It's an amazing place. It's going to be super transformative for you. And I encourage you to go. And so I made a decision to, um, on my 21st birthday, road trip to Quebec from Syracuse, which was like, I don't know, maybe a six to eight hour drive. And, um, and ended up in this ashram that I knew nothing about. Like I was not someone who grew up being spiritual. I never had exposure to any kind of faith or like spirituality. My, you know, my mom was a Lutheran that left the church when she was relatively young. My dad was Jewish, but I never once went to temple. So it was like very foreign to me. And I end up in this ashram and um, I walk in and I see this statue of like the founder of the center. And I just fell on my knees and started crying. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> weird. Like I just felt like this yes. connection to that space. And so I um, made a decision to stay for a bit. I committed to a month and I did this yogurt, yogurt, yoga teacher training, <laughs> yoga teacher training course, like my 200 hour certification. But it was very like, um, um, you were very immersed in the lifestyle. So like you'd wake up every day, 5.30 a.m. and meditate and then do kirtan, which is like devotional chanting. And then there was time for spiritual discourse. And then, you know, you do a two-hour yoga class with lots of breathing exercises and restorative practice. And then you would have a kind of a sattvic vegan brunch. So the definition of that is like no onions, no garlic, no eggs, meat, 
foul, caffeine, like spicy chilies, anything that could be stimulating. Um, and then, you know, we would do the same thing in the evening. So it was very, very intensive. And you just really threw yourself into this lifestyle. And it was super transformative for me, so much so that I made a decision to stay in the ashram an extra month. Then I came back to college to finish my degree for that like last semester. And then I gave away all my belongings and like traveled around with this organization for the next year. And it was super impactful for me that I had an opportunity to um, learn so much about like the mind body connection and how food also has an impact on the way that your, your brain and body function. Um, and so that was, a, that was a huge catalyst for me. Cause like, you know, like you said, you know, we would, we were kind of on a courageous pursuit even earlier than that, learning about healthy food choices. And we talked a lot about food, um, you know, and we went to places like Alto Cinco. But for me, I didn't really understand the connection of how food impacts your body and mind until I was in the ashram. So, so that was like a really interesting catalyst for like, what I do now. And, and I, I don't feel like I would ever have pursued picnic had I not have had that experience. Wow. That is so amazing. And I remember you doing that and being like, so inspired. I'm so, oh. so inspired. Cause, and then I remember following that, like I went to Kripalu. Yeah. Around the same time. It was yeah, like it was a lot of synergy. It was, it was total synergy. And I was like, she's doing it. Like we're on a similar path. Like we were both seekers at that point. We were both information seekers and like, Ooh, that- chills. Truth bumps. <laughs> yeah, it's so real. It's so real. And that was a huge part of our connection. Um, tell me about that year where you explored a bit. Where did you go? What was your, where did you end up? Yeah, so I started um, with a trip to Kerala, India. So I was in like the southernmost tip of India, about an hour away from um, this kind of major city called Tiruvannantapuram. And I stayed there for about, gosh, it must have been like two months or something. I was assisting like an advanced teacher training course um, and just kind of living the lifestyle. And then my teacher pulled me in one day and he's like, I'm sending you to Chennai tomorrow. So pack your bags. So um, I, yeah, I packed my bags the next day. They sent me on like an 18 hour train ride by myself to Chennai. I'm like, you know, I must have been like 21, 22. At the time, I didn't think that that was dangerous at all. You know, I was just like, whatever. So went to Chennai, stayed there for like maybe two months. Um, And honestly, I had a really rough time there. Like it was kind of an isolated center. I was the only staff member there. So I was like waking up and teaching. Yeah, I was teaching yoga like, you know, 5am and then like kids yoga and stuff all day. And so I kind of sacrificed my practice during that time. And I was really kind of struggling to figure out like my own personal balance. So it wasn't the right environment for me. So I made a decision to go to a different center. So I ended up going to Delhi in Northern India. So I had a chance to see like, so many different aspects of India and how like opposite South is from North. And like, you know, it's super interesting because, 
Um, you know, there's so many different languages that are spoken. It's just like a really inspiring place. And um, it's just very spiritual. There's a ton of really vibrant energy and colors and smells and like temples. It's really, really cool. So I spent about six months there till my visa ran out. And then I ended up, yeah. And then I went straight to, um, I guess, upstate New York to an ashram they had there and then ended up in the Toronto center until I finally was like, okay, I need to go back into the world and reimmerse and like take these teachings out and go somewhere else. So from there, I ended up living in Miami beach. God, I forgot you lived in Miami until just this second. I forgot about that. It's like so out of character for me. You know, culture shock too. Oh my God. Totally. Totally. Because in India, you're like very dressed, very conservatively. And like, you know, the culture is a little bit more conservative than the US, of course. And then like the first place really that I go to after I leave the ashram environment was Miami and like, you know, middle South Beach. Everyone's like in bikinis all the time. And, you know, there's like vomit on the streets as you're walking to work. (laughs) God. Oh my God. What did you do there? You weren't working at, at an ashram there because I don't believe there is one there. What were you doing there? So I, a friend of mine had told me to pursue this teacher who lived in Miami beach. Her name, name is Kino McGregor. And, um, yeah. And so she said, you know, you remind me of her. Like, I mean, I was really, really young at the time. And she's like, I think that you would learn a lot from her. And so I made a decision to go to Miami for what I thought was just like a week or two. I thought I was just going for like a, um, you know, uh, uh, Ashtanga yoga immersion course. I'd never explored Ashtanga before. Right. Um, so I went, but I kind of fell in love with the practice at the time and was like really, really inspired, um, you know, and seeing how people were living this lifestyle out in the world. So I made a decision to stay a little bit longer. I ended up living in Miami for like over a year, wow. started doing work study at this studio, basically like just checking people in for classes or whatever. But then, um, you know, Kino gave me an opportunity to teach. I taught a class called slow flow, which was like a fusion of everything I'd learned in the ashram environment and what I'd learned from the Ashtanga lineage. Um, That's why you have such a badass practice too. I mean, (gasps) I remember child, like, (laughs) Coast to the head, crazy village. So cool. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, I think it was really an amazing fusion because the Shivananda lineage is very restorative. It's like you start with, um, you know, it's kind of like yin in the fact that you hold postures for long periods of time. So, um, you know, if you're in a forward fold, it might be five minutes. And then, you know, when you, do Ashtanga, it's the polar opposite. It's like you're only holding postures for five breaths. It's like based in vinyasa. So there's constant movement. It's a lot more like strength based movement. So it was actually really interesting for me when I went from the Shivananda ashram to, you know, living in Miami practicing Ashtanga because I had the flexibility. But for the first time in my yoga career, I guess I had been forced to learn to develop strength. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, those two things, I guess, in conjunction with each other, you know, they, they do lend themselves to like a, a strong practice, you know, and um, 
but you know, the interesting thing for me is like, no matter how advanced I ever got physically, <laughs> my mind has always been in the way of like, yes. kind of staying on the path and staying committed. Yes. And I think that's probably something a lot of people deal with. Oh my God. Yes. I mean, I think you and I both with like dance backgrounds, like we didn't necessarily join the yoga world or I didn't. And, and I kind of am assuming this might be true for you and you can tell me if I'm wrong, but like I joined the yoga community because I wanted to steady the mind, not so much because I wanted like a physical experience. Yes. Um, Totally. Then, like, you and I both, like, run pretty anxious, like, not to, like, out ourselves, but, like, I think we both, we're both, like, type A, we're both intense, like, we're creating epic shit in the world, and, like, that's a beautiful thing, but, like, sometimes we need to, like, tone it down. Yes, yes, I mean, my goal this year, honestly, like, that gave me chills, again, I call it, like, I learned this from my friend Kaylee, truth bumps, like, when something really resonates with your spirit, you saying that really speaks to me because it's like, you know, I feel like this year, my biggest commitment, my biggest resolution was like, just to chill the fuck out. Because oh my God, yeah. You know, when you're a high achieving person and you're really driven and you see opportunities in the world and you're like, I can fill a need, I can do this, like, you know, you know, you're leaning on purpose. It's like it's also really easy to like you know, forget about self-care. And you were a huge, like, reminder for me on that. Like, I had an opportunity to go to Mexico last year with Alexa, and we did, um, it was one of her yoga retreats, the travel yogi. And it was, like, the first time I'd gotten back on my mat after I took a few-year hiatus. And, like, you know, you just reminded me of so many of those principles that are really important. But, like, just like you said, I think that the the mental aspect of the practice is so important. And I think, you know, a lot of people get on their yoga mat because it's a good workout. And, you know, that's like, you think about the physical intention, but our minds are crazy and it can be so helpful for that. Oh my God. Yes, absolutely. And it's so imperative. And, and, you know, it's like, we can get both from it. Like you can definitely feel physically good from it, but like, absolutely. And it's, that's, that's part of the struggle teaching sometimes is you get to teach class and it's like, you see the people that are like rolling their eyes when you're trying to get them to breathe and meditate for a moment, you know, and they're like, they just want to get their ass kicked, you know. It's like, it's like oh, yeah. like shake my quads or whatever. Yeah, you know? exactly. And I'm like, oh, honey, I'll kick your ass too. But like, if you want to do it, if you want to do yoga, like, let's connect to you. Like, let's connect. Yes. So I want to hear. I want to hear about how this was physically for you with this adoption of like a vegan sattvic diet. How that made you feel, and maybe how that influenced like your food choices and your thoughts on food? Oh man, that's such a good question. So, you know, I, I really loved the environment and the ashram and what a sattvic diet did for my brain in terms of really stilling the mind and making my meditation practice more efficient. Like it really was super powerful from the perspective of like, you know, my sleep was really still, my, my thought waves were really still throughout the day. Um, you know, I felt mentally really balanced, but unfortunately for me, you know, I 
grew up as someone who had a lot of food sensitivities. And I think also when I traveled to India, I had maybe a parasite or something. I got sick when I was there and I developed what seemed like more severe food sensitivities after I got back. And so, you know, for me, it was this interesting battle because, you know, I had like an awareness around why I was eating a sattvic diet. You know, it's very much ingrained in the principles of ahimsa, you know, nonviolence and, you know, thinking about the fact that animals have a consciousness too, that we really want to honor and respect. And like, if we don't have to live in the world, you know, making a choice to eat an animal that, you know, it's great to not do that. But for me, physically, my body rejected grains and beans and a lot of the core components of a sattvic vegan diet. So it was very, like I talked about the mind a little bit, it was really hard for me mentally because like for the first time in my life, I was kind of exposed to, you know, the teachings of yoga, which also have some element of dogma, you know, in terms of like, what is taught, what is supposed to be honored if you're like in a very traditional environment, but my body couldn't handle it. And so it was like, I was being told to do something but physically I was having a strong reaction against it and was being led to go in a different direction. So, you know, for me, I ultimately had to make a decision that, you know, the idea of ahimsa is, you know, super important for us to also think about nonviolence to our own bodies. And if our bodies can't tolerate certain foods, even if, you know, we're being taught that that's what we're supposed to eat. We really have to be mindful of that. And we have to make a decision to turn inward and listen to what our own personal needs are. Amen, sister. That's the thing. It's like that listening to the nobility of our body and like every freaking sense of the word, you know, like when it comes to our food choices, like when it comes to like this yoga pose, when it comes to this, this person, you know, it's like, like, okay, do I surround myself with this person? Like, oh, my body doesn't really like it. Like, I, I get anxious around them or like whatever the case may be. Yes. Like, it's a process of turning inward and listening. And like, the more conscious and aware we are, the better off we are at every aspect. That is so, so beautiful. And yeah, that ahimsa, it's true. I hear people all the time. It's like, I, you know, I've started dating and like, People are like, oh, you're a yogi, so you must be a vegan. Right. And, like for me, I'm I'm really similar. Like my body doesn't like it. Like I did it. Like I've done it. I, yes. I experienced it. And like I, my body, my joints, my digestive system doesn't like it. So like nonviolence towards myself. Yes. Like no. Am I conscious? Yes. yes. And like am I just like eating all the meat in sight? Like no. But wow. at the same time, like I I know to respect my body as like the chariot of my spirit. And so Ooh, I love that. Thanks, girl. But like <laughs> you know, like that's it. Like that's really what it comes down to. And like you are creating a beautiful gift for everyone to be able to do that and to make that choice. So what else, like, I know, I know that you had like some food sensitivities and some things like that. Were there any like books or things that you read that you were like, Oh, like I should try this or like, I should try that. Like, did you try a bunch of different things and then find something that worked for you or how did that go? 
Yeah. You know, I think it's a journey. Like at the time, like after I went through all those things, I got back from India, I was kind of struggling with my health. I was like really conflicted mentally. You know, I started really thinking like, I need to put some effort behind defining like what works for me. And I need to release any pressure I have on myself around the idea of this um, lifestyle and being told to live and really f- figure out like what's the best for my body. So I started that journey by first, like just doing a lot of research. The first thing I identified for myself was that gluten was an issue. And I found that out actually through um, a conversation I had with my grandpa. He was telling me that my grandma had celiac disease and I had known that my whole life, but never knew what that meant. And so when he started kind of describing her symptoms, I'm like, oh my God, that sounds like me. It was like crazy. I pulled up a celiac checklist online after that conversation and it was like, you know, check, check, check. Like every issue that was listed there was something I had experienced. And like, I was in my early twenties, you know, it was something I shouldn't be experiencing at that young of an age. And so, you know, so the first decision I made was like, I'm just going to cut out gluten. And within two weeks, that made a substantial difference for me in terms of like my digestion. Like, honestly, I feel like for like two weeks, I was like, what is coming out of me? This is so crazy. Because you're just like, a lifetime of like garbage, you know, for the first time, like getting rid of something that like was really um, negative for my body, like allowed my system to like function well for the first time. So that was really powerful. And then, you know, I was gluten-free exclusively for a a couple of years before I started recognizing that like other foods were also causing me some discomfort. So I just kind of did an elimination diet. I first, I started by like cutting out grains and then I cut out soy and then I cut out peanuts. And I like, you know, dairy was like one of the last things for me that I ever tried to eliminate, which I, you know, thankfully never had to really cut out of my diet. But, you know, ultimately I felt like there were no resources available at the time, but I started doing Google searches after I'd done all of this like introspection, self-study, you know, trial and error. And I kept stumbling upon this term paleo and I never knew what it meant. And so I started doing some research and there were a few blogs with like just great references about this lifestyle that was built around, you know, plants, fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, but also high quality grass-fed or pasture-raised meats, you know? And and so I was like, oh my God, there's a community of people who think like me and have to eat like me. And that was really inspiring. So some of the first few books that I found that I used once I made that connection were um, Practical Paleo is a book by um, Diane Sanfilippo. I probably destroyed her last name, but that is a great book, like a almost like a Bible of like the paleo lifestyle. And then I also, the first cookbook I ever had was uh, Primal Palettes, um, I think called Make It Paleo. And they, they, you know, it was just the first time I ever had a reference to be able to cook that way. And so I'm pretty sure I like made my way front and back through that book. And they were both really inspiring um, for me. And then, you know, that was kind of the catalyst for me to get more involved in learning about what other resources for the paleo diet were available. Yes. You know, it's so funny because I'm, I have adopted a paleo lifestyle as well. Again, following in Naomi's footsteps. Um, (laughs) 
And, you know, I think there's such a connotation of like, um, you know, like paleo equals like crossfitters and like people that are like, you know, trying to get ripped or like whatever. And it's like, okay, sure. Like, sure. If you go to a CrossFit gym, you're probably going to like meet a bunch of paleo heads and like, that's okay. But like, it really is about like to each their own in the sense of like, this is what makes me feel good. And like, as like you've had your fair share of digestive issues, like you were in discomfort for a long time. Like for me, I like, you know, my history of being severely anorexic, like you were there right. for that. And like, just after not eating pretty much anything but vegetables for like a year and a half, like you better believe my body wasn't really able to process gluten. Like, <laughs> right. like my body was like, nope, that's not going to work. So it's just like, there are things that, that serve and there are things that don't. And, and I'm so glad that you, you really inspired me because you found it first. And I remember actually talking to you about like, Hey, like, what are you doing? Like, what are you eating right now? You look amazing. Like, it sounds like you're doing really well. And, and I remember you actually suggested the book practical paleo and I got it. Oh, that's awesome. And Diane is an amazing woman. Yeah. Too, so oh, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. And so thank you for being that huge inspiration and that voice of just like, well, you know, you've tried everything else. Like I certainly tried the vegan thing. I tried the vegetarian thing. I tried everything yeah. else. So that's huge. Well, and you know, and, and that, that makes me feel so good to hear that that's something that you're exploring. And like, you know, the thing is, you know, I kind of mentioned the mind earlier. I have to be honest, like I still have mental struggles sometimes with, you know, with any kind of, um, I don't know. I think, you know, there's, I'm going to kind of ramble for a second, but like, one of the things that I still struggle with is like, you know, I know I'm doing something for my body, but then you still have like so much noise out there. And, you know, it's like not only from like our own personal backgrounds, but it's like you can find a physician to back up anything. Like you can find a physician who's like, I'm an advocate for a raw vegan diet or a physician who's like, I'm an advocate for a low fat plant-based diet or a physician who's like, I'm ketogenic. I believe in high fat, no sugar, you know, or someone who's like, you know, I'm an advocate for meat only because it cured my seizures. Like, so it's like a crazy fucking world in the food space, especially in this time where we're like all so connected via social media. And it's like, you follow pages that are inspiring to you. And one person is like doing something, you know, they're like, Oh, I'm low FODMAP. And one person is eating nothing but fruit. And one person's on the potato only diet. And you're just like, Oh my God. Like, you know, it creates a lot of confusion. And so like, that's why with picnic, like, you know, kind of bringing it back to the thing that I decided to do professionally, it was important for me that it's like, even though the thing that has worked best for me is adopting a paleo inspired most of the time diet, you know, because of course we are like living, breathing human beings. And sometimes you like eat a croissant or have a glass of wine and that's totally okay. You know, like, but, um, you know, I felt like with picnic, the thing that was important to me was like, regardless of what worked for me on my path, I wanted a space where all of those people could come and find something to eat. You know, we need you. 
<laughs> so real. That's so great because it's so true. It's it can be debilitating. Yes, totally, totally debilitating. And like I look at my mom, um, like my mom has stage four cancer, and like she was uh, she was having trouble with her mitochondria because she's mm-hmm. had so much chemotherapy. And, um, and so she went to like a holistic doctor, a holistic doctor that was like, you need to get on a ketogenic diet immediately. Really? Yes. And they were like, the the ketogenic diet will help you build your mitochondria, which will keep you from losing too much weight. It'll obviously keep you very fit because you can't really gain weight on a ketogenic diet, but it'll stop you from losing it. And that was, that basically, you know, saved, saved her life because she was dropping weight like crazy. So, I mean, it really is like a time and place reality that we have to all just figure out what serves us. Yes. And and how beautiful that you've created a space that has options. Because I remember when you first opened Picnic, it was pretty much just paleo. It was, yes, in the very beginning. But, you know, as I grew, you know, and the more people I met, I just felt like the idea of being inclusive yeah. to our community was the most important thing. Because, you know, actually, my, you know, my mom is a huge advocate for the ketogenic diet also. And, you know, she doesn't have the experience in her, um, you know, practice necessarily with, um, you know, using – well, I shouldn't say that. What I would say is my mom, you know, uses a ketogenic diet and is an advocate for it because her personal story is that, you know, she believes in it for uh, many different reasons, but she's seen how it improves Alzheimer's. Yeah. You know, so she's really passionate about that for that reason. And she has direct experience because her mom had end stage dementia and she was able to make a significant like, you know, improvement in my grandma's quality of life by the adoption of a ketogenic diet. So I think it's really, really amazing that um, that's something that your mom is, is following. And, you know, my mom's a huge advocate for it also. And she's a holistic doctor for, um, for cancer patients. Beautiful. Yeah. It's so amazing because I, I have Alzheimer's in my family as well. And they say that like sugar is basically like type, you know, creates like a type three diabetes, which is type, which is Alzheimer's. And so you take out any form of that and live a high fat and that, and your brain is a lot of fat. So it's like, it's so true. And of course I like fucking love sugar. Oh Oh my God. You and me both. It's such a, Oh my God. Like and all forms of it, like fruit, regular sugar, honey, uh, alcohol. I love it all. Yes. 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 Okay. So talk to me a little bit more about what you are creating. I know you were just working with the Wanderlust Festival. Yeah. I want to hear about these amazing beverages that are, that I personally actually have been giving to my mother because there's the the blue bottle with the no sugar in it. Cause my mom is like a total coffee addict. Um, and it has the, um, the oil in it. I'm blanking on the name right now, which is so good for your brain and it's high fat, which is good for like a ketogenic lifestyle. Um, So I want to hear about what made you want to do that. Why? that and all that jazz. Sure. So, you know, one of the things that is interesting about our journey, I guess my journey with Picnic is before we opened our doors, like I was still holding on to the idea that like, 
you know, maybe I should make this more of a juice bar. You know, I was kind of holding on to my old lifestyle. You know, I, I couldn't let it go. But I wasn't drinking juice every day. I was drinking a beverage, usually coffee based, that had a high fat base, you know, in the form of grass-fed butter, MCT oil, or coconut milk. And so, but right when I opened Picnic, I had to make a decision, like, are we pursuing the route of like, kind of more of the raw juice idea? Or, you know, are we going to implement like a coffee-focused program? Because we didn't have a lot of space. Yeah. And so ultimately... You know, I made the decision to take a risk and I'm like, no one's even heard of this product or this idea at this point. It was in 2013. And like, you know, the resources that were coming up that were mentioning like, you know, using grass fed butter and MCT oil and coffee were like, you know, very sparse. It wasn't like a a known concept really at the time. And so I'm like, I'm going to take a leap of faith and I'm going to put some beverages on my menu that have this like, you know, base of high quality saturated fats. And I'm just going to encourage people to try it and let's see what happens. Because ultimately we're a health focused concept. I think the customers we're going to attract are going to be open-minded to it. And, you know, hopefully it's, it's a positive thing for our business. So anyway, for the first year, we had people coming in and they heard we had coffee. And so they'd be like, Oh, I just want a black coffee with cream. And I'm like, let me give you this for free. Like I'm going to upgrade you for free. Give this a chance. I promise it's going to change your day. It's going to change the way that you feel. I mean, and at the time we had like three staff members. So I stood behind the counter every single day, just encouraging people like, just try it, just try it, just try it. Wow. How many staff members do you have now, by the way? Oh my gosh. It's like over a hundred. Holy (laughs) shit, girl. I'm so proud of you. Okay. So you were behind the bar, like mixing it up. Yeah. So I'm like behind the bar, you know, every day, like just try it. And, you know, within the course of the first year, we developed like this cult following around our coffee drinks. And the first three flavors that we had were a plain butter coffee, which was butter MCT, butter and MCT oil. Um, And then we had a dirty chai and we had a mocha. And our, our mocha had raw cacao butter and cacao powder, um, and we used um, grass-fed whey protein um, to add an additional like protein component, and it had um, organic maple syrup instead of like normal white sugar. And and it, we don't make syrups with any of the drinks that we make, so it's like if someone comes in and they're ketogenic and they want a mocha, we just leave the sweetener out. Or if someone comes in and they're like, oh, you know, I can't do whey protein, could I leave the protein out, or could I do collagen protein instead? Like we. Can easily make those substitutions so yeah so it's very customizable and and also you make want to move to austin (laughs) it's such a great city like because there's just like this consciousness everywhere people are super into this kind of stuff and like you know and so those were our first three drinks and because we developed this cult following around them we decided okay like this is going to be a backbone of our business let's start doing more innovation But at the same time, you know, we started having customers come in every single day that were like, I live in Dallas and I can't get your coffee. So what do I do? How do I make it at home? Or someone's like, you know, flying to Asia and they're like an addict on butter coffee. (laughs) I need to be able to travel with it. So we started thinking like, what is a possible solution for us to be able to make this more readily accessible on the go? 
So this was about three years ago, we started this process. And the first iteration of our product was something I called a good butter cup. So it was like a tempered chocolate Cadbury egg type thing. And it had butter and MCT oil and protein inside. So it was like you could travel with it, um, keep it in your bag. You just threw it in with hot coffee and you could blend it up and you had butter coffee anywhere. But we found that there were a ton of limitations like, you know, chocolate melts. So if you have it in your purse, it gets fucking everywhere. Or like, you know, it would spoil really quickly because of the way that we had to manufacture them. Like, you know, most chocolate people who work with chocolate add a whole bunch of other stuff that we didn't want in our product. So like we couldn't find someone to even manufacture it for us. So, we, you know, basically like learned a lot of hard lessons and decided, okay, let's go back to the drawing board and see what we can do here. And I met a woman who worked at Whole Foods. She was one of the buyers there. And right when I was going through this time period of like, reimagining what our product was going to be. She's like, I'm looking for someone to make a bottled butter coffee. I think it's going to be huge. I've been trying to pitch the idea to like a lot of different coffee companies, but it's just not something anyone is really interested in tackling. And yeah. And I took that as a sign, you know, and I'm like, this is something we already do. We're already trying to find a solution to this. Maybe we go down the route of trying to make a ready to drink beverage. So, you know, it took a year and a half, two years of additional development work with the the bottles to get finally to a point where we had product that was ready to sell. Wow. And it was like never my intention to make a packaged product that was like a separate company from my restaurant. It was like everything was supposed to support like the restaurant. It was just going to be small batch that like we sold on site. But because of like the logistics around um, everything we had to do to like create this product and like the, the manufacturing and all the tactical skills behind it, we needed to like basically build a second company. So, you know, lucky for us, like we had some guarantee of some retailers right away as soon as the product was ready to sell. Not not like, you know, oh, I don't know, Whole Foods. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, I mean, Whole Foods gave us basically a pre-commitment to roll out our product nationwide. And that was like an incredible win for the company because, you know, because of the amount we need to manufacture and how we need to manufacture and all of those things, it was like we really needed a guarantee of, a lot of stores to be able to justify it as being like a worthwhile, you know, I guess time commitment. And so we were very blessed. Whole Foods is always an early adopter and believer of innovative, you know, products. And they really were passionate about Picnic. And so they were our first big client. And now, you know, we've had that bottle, um, launched since I guess since May of 2017 and um, we're in I think like 700 stores nationwide and growing and so it's just been a really exciting new venture and I've learned a lot. Wow oh my god okay so where can we all find it besides obviously Whole Foods because I've seen, that's where I buy it but where yeah. can other people buy it? <laughs> Yeah. So Whole Foods is a a big customer of ours. Um, Central Market in the Southwest Territory, um, Scott Kitchen, 
Air One markets in California. Yeah, going uh, there for lunch Mom. today. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're awesome. Uh, Mom's, um, which has like 19 stores, um, a bunch of other independent retailers like Royal Blue in Austin. Um, you know, we're on the cusp, fingers crossed, of getting set up in Wegmans. Oh my um, God. You know, <laughs> I know. And I used to go to Wegmans all the time. I can't, I bought so much dried mango there. Yeah, what's <laughs> dried mango? I was into the dried papaya. Such good memories. So yeah, so I mean, those are some of the other retailers. And then online, we also sell on Amazon and we sell on Thrive Market as well, as well as direct from our website. Oh my God, so good. And you were saying that it's looking like Picnic, picnic is expanding. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it started as kind of a small cafe, you know, it was a tiny food truck that was 130 square feet or something like that. It's like really, really small. And so we were really limited on what we were able to do. So, you know, a lot of the product that we made was uh, made off site and we brought it in every day. So like all the prepackaged meals and stuff were kind of sold as is. So if someone came in with like a sensitivity to eggs or to nuts, or they were vegan or whatever, we would have a really hard time accommodating those people because we we couldn't like adjust our food on site. So that's why we made the decision to, when we opened our first brick and mortar location to have a full kitchen on site. So it could be more of a restaurant experience. So we could be more adaptable, more inclusive, you know, have more innovation in the healthy food, food space, whatever, have more space, all of those things. Um, and it's been, to be honest with you, like a huge hit. And I think we're busier than we ever imagine that we would be, which is really incredible. And, you know, especially because there's such a high likelihood of restaurants failing, you know, it's just such a competitive industry and they're very tough to operate and they require so much personnel. And like, you know, we kind of took a huge leap when we opened the the brick and mortar because we're like, we're going to be breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Okay, go, let's figure it out. You know, it's like, that's very ambitious. A lot of people just start with like dinner only or their clothes on Mondays or whatever. So there was like a, a lot of that going on, but as a result of the restaurant really, um, taking off, it's in our best interest to, see if like, you know, hopefully this isn't just a fluke. Hopefully this works in another market also. So, um, you know, I, I found a spot that I'm really excited about in Denver, Colorado. And yeah, we've been in the process of negotiating a lease at Denver for the last several months. So, you know, unless there's some huge reason why it wouldn't work out, our intention is to open up uh, a restaurant, a flagship restaurant in Denver. Um, so I'm really excited about that. We have some additional um, expansion opportunities in Austin that we're working to pursue. Um, you know, some pot- potentially some additional spaces here, and then um, in actually California, hey. about 20 minutes outside of Los Angeles. Hey. <laughs> we are opening a small coffee shop. Um, with like inside a store, I can't give, I don't think all the details about it yet, but we're opening a 200 square foot coffee shop, basically a little tiny coffee shop, um, in Upland, California with a really amazing, um, partner in a great location. So oh my God, 
it's a big year. It's like a lot of things going on at the same time, but that's like the immediate expansion. And then, you know, it's in my interest that we, um, you know, really start to look at like what markets, um, what markets are best for our company? Who's ready for us? You know, who's already got a community of people who are, you know, very, very health conscious and pushing the envelope forward with innovation and health food space. And like, those are places we want to be. Oh, amazing. I can't, okay. So I just looked at the clock and it's like already been 50 minutes, basically. <laughs> I could talk to you for days. Um, I know. So I want to know, so again, like this is about what create, like what does it take to create an epic life? But I want to know what your definition of it. What is your definition of an epic life? Like what does an epic life mean to you? Whatever. Oh, so great. Um, you know, the first thing I would say is living in balance because I think for anyone who is working to achieve something in their life, it's very easy to, um, forget about prioritizing self care. So something for me that I'm very passionate about with our team is we have a culture around, um, giving our employees two days off in a row, which seems like not a big deal, but in the restaurant industry, like people take a Tuesday off and a Saturday off and then they'll get their schedule for the next week. And they've got a Wednesday off and a Friday. Like they've got no, like, you know, no consistency with their schedule. And I think that that really impacts people's ability to like, you know, take care of their life, do their laundry, clean their house, whatever. So that is the first thing for me is like living in balance. Beautiful. You know, the second thing that I would say is surrounding yourself with people who, um, who you want to surround yourself with, yeah. I guess, if that makes sense. Like I've always said that like your team, like you're only as you want people to support you in areas where you are weak and you want your strengths to support other people maybe where they're weak. And so I think there's really an amazing um, awareness around, like for me, around the value of community. Yeah. And so, like just surrounding yourself with good people who see the world through a similar lens as you. Yeah. Um, and then I would also say like, uh, don't be an asshole. Like that would be something that I feel like is a key to living an epic life. Like it's something that I fail at sometimes everyone fails at, but like, you know, when you treat people with love and compassion and respect and you look at them as people and, um, understanding that like everyone's just on a journey and doing their best. Like, I think that, um, it just helps you stay more positive in the world. You are amazing. I love that. Thank you so much. Okay. So now we have to switch it up to the rapid fire round. I'm just going to say, like, do you sure. prefer this or that? And you just got to let us know which one is you. Cause I want, I want people to know who you are. Oh my God, okay. I <laughs> okay. I already know this first one, but we're just going to ask it anyway. Coffee or tea? Coffee. Are you an introvert or an extrovert? Extrovert for sure. I love it. Yoga asana or seated meditation? Oh, meditation right now. You know what? You and me both. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, sex or sleep? Uh, sorry, Kevin. I mean, I, I love sleep and also sex. So yeah. me in the middle? <laughs> Ooh, balance. We're all about balance. Um, bourbon or wine? Wine. Rosé, maybe. Super Rosé maybe. all day. New York or L.A.? <laughs> LA. I love it. Ebook or hard copy? 
Audiobook? Audio, totally. I'm all about that audio life. Shower or bath? Bath, always. Love it. Milk or dark chocolate? Oh, milk chocolate. Yeah, like truth time milk, but like like DL milk, but like of course we'd like eat dark chocolate because it's better for us. Yeah. Phone call or text? Text. Uh, intelligence or humor? Uh, humor, always. Yes. Money or fame? Oh, God. That's so hard. I know. Probably money. Yes. I've got expensive taste. Girl, I feel you. Same, same. (laughs) Same, same. Now, baby, how can everyone connect to you? Like, how can we find you on social media? Do you have a website? All that jazz. Sure. So Picnic's website is www.picnicpicnikaustin.com. And our Instagram handle is the same, Picnic with a K, Austin. Um, I actually deleted my personal Instagram and Facebook. I don't know. Sometimes I go into hiding for a little bit. Yeah. but I'm sure I'll activate it again at some point. But it's always been my name, Naomi Seifter, S-E-I-F-T-E-R. Love and, it. Um, yeah, it, I love hearing from people too. So if anyone ever wants to get in touch with me, my work email is naomi at picnicaustin.com. Beautiful. Oh, my God. Naomi, you are such a gem. I want to take a moment to acknowledge you and all that you've created All that you have supplied for the human race to feel good in their body. I mean, really, that's the goal. It's like we all just want to feel good, and you are letting people feel good. Um, So just, I just want to acknowledge you for all you've created and all that you are and the beautiful human that you are, and I love you. Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much. I'm learning how to accept compliments, so thank you so much for sharing that beauty with me. I'm so grateful to have had the chance to – join you on your podcast today. It's just, I, you're such an inspiration to me and to the community. And I'm just really grateful as a, as adults outside of college that we're able to connect in this way. It's really sad. Yes. Thank you, sister. I love you so mucho. Love you mucho. We'll talk soon. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in today. What an absolute gift. Uh, please do connect to me. I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on Facebook, um, social media in general at Alexa Silvaggio. And if you do have a second, I would be super grateful if you left us a review on iTunes. Why? Well, because that actually makes us more visible to everyone. And I'm all about spreading the good stuff, right? Spreading the goods, getting the word out because I want us all to benefit. I want us all to feel good. I want us all to thrive. So this is your gentle reminder, my love to go out there and create an epic life. All my love.